Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. This is lesson six on our life group classes. Um, and our series has been on excellence. Felt like we just wanted to bring a spirit of excellence to the church in every way. Um, and we want to operate as Christians with excellence in finances. That to be an amen. amen. So let's pray over our class tonight that God's hand would be upon us. God, we pray for wisdom that comes from you. You're a God of wisdom, a God of peace, a God of love. I'm just praying tonight that you would minister, Lord, to the needs of these amazing people. I pray, God, you know where they're at, what they need. We understand that biblical knowledge is biblical power, gives self-power. I pray that, God, you would help us today, Lord, to learn more about you and how we would apply finances to our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm thankful to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Typically not going to pay my bills i got to learn to live, live holy, and to be a, and to be a steward. Um, to be a steward. To be found, and it's required of a steward to be found what? The Bible says it's required of a steward to be found faithful. Everybody say faithful. All right, we're going to get started here tonight. Does everyone again, everyone has a budget in front of you? We will, we will work toward that. We're going to work toward that later. But uh, let's look at Proverbs. We're going to look at a few verses in Proverbs here today. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Let's look and see what it says. We're going to talk about investing tonight. Uh, We're going to talk about saving. We're going to talk about budgeting. Uh, We're going to talk about spreading out investments. Um talking about being biblical on some things that maybe you haven't been taught. How to borrow, how, how, to, how to lend maybe. Uh, and so just a few subjects here we'll, we'll cover in finances because sometimes good intentions are destructive. Uh, just because you have good intentions doesn't make it right. And that's very true. And so uh, Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance. And what? Somebody read it. And with the first fruits of all, everybody shout all, all, thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And so what we understand is that all good gifts come from the Father of lights. Everything we receive that is a blessing, we believe is from God. Do you believe that? How about the job that you have? How about uh, the finances that you receive? I was taught since I was this tall that if if somebody gifted me with birthday money, that that was a blessing from the Lord. That's right. I was taught since I can long as I remember. If I found money, it was a blessing of the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how much money I found in my brother's bedroom. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, but if I found 30 cents in the couch, uh, and you've heard me say this here probably, what would I do? I was taught to tithe on 
on all of any increase, no matter what. And so not just paying tithes on what I receive from my work or what I labor for, but what God blesses me from. I have been, I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you some great stories tonight, but I have, over the years, just it put in me from a child, I've watched the blessings of God to give the first fruits of all my increase. And so whether somebody blessed me or whatever, I have done that. And I've been on airplanes with people giving me money. That's the truth. The other day, let me just share my most recent blessing. And uh, I have a travel. I use a Bible that I've had. I've got people have written in my Bible, and I've got notes in the Bible. It's very precious to me. I've wore it out so much so that they got it rebound for me several years ago. Where the Anthony Nunner sent off had it rebound. And, uh, but I'm traveling with this thick, heavy Bible. It has a concordance in it I do not use. All I need is the Scripture. And it's a Thompson chain. I am sort of bound <laughs> to Thompson chain Bibles uh, because I know where stuff is. You know, I know on the right side, the bottom right corner, the right column, that's where this verse will be. Does it make sense? Yeah. I don't read different, different Bibles. I read Thompson chain only. Uh, that's just and I have for decades now. But uh, I needed a smaller print, one that's thinner. I can put my backpack and I travel and preach these meetings. And I looked online, and I found a guy that rebinds Bibles. So you take it, cut out the concords, make it exactly the way I want it. And I found this nice leather covering he can put on it. And uh, asked him how much it's going to be. It's going to be $435. <laughs> and, you know, and I said, oh, help me, Jesus. You know? and, uh, and I thought, well, because plus the expediting time, it would be way off until I would get it. And I need it for this summer for a few meetings because I am tearing my Bible up. I mean, i got pages coming loose, and I don't want that to happen. And so I went to back to message to negotiate to see what would be maybe how far out maybe I can get this thing cheaper. And he said, oh, and let me a message on Instagram. He said, oh, by the way, an anonymous person has paid this for you. I don't know who. I mean, I found a guy online. I don't know how that happened. Whoever it was, may the Lord bless them. <laughs> because, I, oh, it moved me to tears. But over and over and over again, my life is continually blessed. Why? Because of this verse. Just one of many that says, honor the Lord with thy what? I want to honor God with my hands. I want to honor God with my feet. I want to honor God with my knowledge, my strength. I want to worship him with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. Oh, somebody say amen. And I want to honor God with my finances and my blessing. And he said, and with the first fruits, everybody say first fruits. If you give first fruits, that is tithing. That's a tenth of all increase that comes, no matter how it comes to you. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Sister Amy would teach, she would teach that if you honor God with your finances, you will get peace. And we call it financial peace teaching. Isn't that right, Sister Amy? That there is a peace of God that you get when you honor God with your substance. You can have money and not peace. There, there was a guy that he was so poor that all he had was money. You can have a lot of money and no peace in your heart. And you can have somebody that honors God that might not be wealthy, but they have peace. And I've learned in my 40s that's nothing more valuable than peace of God. So, so what is wealth? What is rich? And is, is having more than what you need. And the blessing of God, everybody take your hands like this. And I want you to spread it out just like this. 
The blessing of God is more than you need. God doesn't give just what you need. He gives you more than what you need. I, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you're taking notes. That's right. More than enough, Sister Hodge. That's exactly right. And I'm not going to teach the whole time on tithing, but I do think we ought to get the foundation of this right. Uh, then we'll move on to some other things. Um, because there's, there's more to it than tithing and just being biblically right in that area. How about being wise? How about being stewards of what God blesses you with? Uh, Malachi 3 and 8 uh, says, Will a man rob God? He said, Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? He said, How? In tithes and offerings. Is it possible to rob God? Yeah, yeah how? By not tithing. On any increase that comes. What's an increase? That's just any finances that come in your life. Anything of that nature you would tithe on. Well, no matter what it would be. A bonus or unexpected. And I've had unexpected things that come in. And uh, it and it's it's really amazing how that happens. But look what it says. In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a... I don't want to be cursed. For ye have robbed me even this whole nation. <laughs> Verse 10. Look what it says. Bring ye all... Not some of the tithes, but bring you what? All. all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not, what? Open you the windows, not window, but windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. What that means is, now watch, it does not say bring all your tithes and all your offerings to the storehouse. Does it? Just tithes. Because offerings are not limited to the storehouse or to the church. That's right. Tithes go singular, offerings goes plural. And so when you are offering, that means you are going to become a blessing to so many because you tithe. Tithing brings blessing. I've heard people, even in our own pulpit, guest speakers get up and make statements like, you know, if you just tithe, you're not going to be blessed. That's just fire insurance. It's going to keep you out of hell, they say. You ever heard of that? Yeah. I don't believe that. But what I do believe is because I tithe, I will have offerings. And that sometimes becomes unlimited. And so I don't just give 10% because the Bible says Jesus said, well, the Pharisees just give 10%. But what I do is as God blesses me and you tithe on gross income, not net, not after Uncle Sam gets his portion, but you tithe on gross income. And then what happens is this blessing comes in your life and there you can give to the widow, you can give to the orphan, you can give to the missionary. Hey, this Sunday you can give to what? You can give just offering to the church uh, above and beyond. Over the year I've seen what is taught as a check on a half and people give 15%. Uh, because they want to give above and beyond. And I don't even want to limit it to that. But what happens is when the nature of giving comes on you, you find the blessing. I, I, I mean, over the years I've had little things happen. I don't want to say little things. Big things because we gave the faith promise. We, when, when money come to us, uh, unexpected by the blessing, oh, my lands, God spoke to this is going to happen. We give the faith promise. We would give to a missionary. Give in abundance. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You give bountifully, you reap bountifully. And next thing you know, the banks called me and said, we need to meet with you. We want to give you, we don't want to lose your business. All right, well, let's talk. Well, we'd like to give you a better interest rate on your house. 
Well, let's talk about it. Because the last time God did that, he, he didn't treat me very good. So let's talk about it. Well, we, we, you have a 5.1 right now, but we want to give you a 2.875% interest rate. Now, I don't know anybody has a 2.875% interest rate. And remove 15 years of payments. That's a big blessing right there. Amen. 15 years of house payments removed, and I give glory to God for that. Amen. Amen. One year we gave the global missions and uh, stepped back and looked, man, and I'm talking about giving here a minute. I'm going to get them some practical things, but just build your faith here for a minute. They come in, they say, oh, by the way, the lady does me. She said, Pastor, you've been paying city tax for years. She said, you don't even live in the city. Better give all that back to you. I said, well, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Three times the amount of what we gave to global missions. I don't want to stand before God and say, I didn't trust you. I use, I use this money that you gave. I use this to do this and this and get all these things paid off. But God, I, I didn't, I, no, I'm going to get before God and, and, and God's going to say, Aaron, I blessed you because you trusted me. And that's the way I believe. I don't want to ever put myself before the Lord for the kingdom. I believe God. And here's what I want all of you to read. Acts 4. I'm not going to handle it tonight. But in Acts 5. What you'll find is God put on his body the spirit of giving to further the kingdom. So much so at one portion they all believed it was not their own. And they laid their property deeds out. I watched this happen in, in, in Guatemala. So moving. The gospel has now reached thousands. Uh, Kenny Carpenter would say that finances are the automobile of the gospel. And there's a truth to that. And, uh, but you'll find that Ananias and Sapphira kept back what God told them to give. And guess what? They lied to the Holy Ghost and God judged them. Man, this is, this is intense finance class tonight. Uh, but look at chapter 5 and read that. I don't want to ever withhold what God has told me to give. Can you say amen? amen. And so there is a blessing. There is a peace. Knowing it, close my eyes. I don't have to worry about economy. I don't have to worry about stock market. And I'm invested there. I've got, I've got an RA. I've got uh, uh, investments in that for my retirement. But I'm not going to worry about that. You know why? God's got his own economy. I am bound by his word and he's bound by his word. He's going to take care of me. Do you believe God's going to take care of you? Before we move any further, I want you to lift your hands and say, God, thank you for taking care of me. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. God, for your many blessings. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And um, so God hands you $10, and you give him one. And uh, he, he sees that he can trust you with 10, and you, you tithe on that. And what do you do with the nine? That's the question. What do you do with the nine other dollars, or, or the 90, or the, or the 900 out of 1,000, or, or the, uh, what are you going to do with the 90,000 out of the 100,000, and whatever. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to invest that? And what you have to understand is when you are creating a budget, you have to determine, everybody say a budget. budget. You have to determine where the finances are going to go. And so, in excellence of finances, what you have is you have you have you have this 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 pool that's 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 your pool, and you have an amount of of inflow, we're gonna call it flow here, and you also have expenses. And that's an outflow of finances. That's your bills. 
That's car payment. That's your insurance. And then that's your insurance. And then that's your insurance. And uh, uh, this is income. And so let's talk about this for a minute. If, if, if this is like water flowing, flowing in to, to your financial uh, home, this is what's coming in, and this is what's going out. If there is more going out than coming in, what's going to happen? You're going down. The bowl is going empty. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's when you can't sleep at night. Because uh, then this thing starts having suction on it. It doesn't matter. You don't have income. It's requiring you to give it. And the goal of a Christian, the goal of a Christian, and I'm going to say the righteousness and even the holiness of a Christian, is to do what? To be a steward. That you have got to make sure that the income is greater than the expense. It's, it's required of us. It's a steward's requirement because the Bible says don't be in debt to what? No man. That means to owe no one anything. It doesn't mean you can't get a loan. It doesn't mean you can't buy money. That's what you're doing. You buy, you buy money to get something. And in our culture, I think it was in the 60s, uh, Sister Amy, you can correct me on this, but I believe in the 60s only 2% of people uh, bought homes uh, on loans. Now only two people, 2% pay cash for a home. Uh, and so it used to be people bought or paid for what they had by cash. Now we live in a loan mortgage society. I believe I'm right on that. Is that correct? It's about, it, it's, it's near that. And so what we live is to have what our neighbor has, we have to get what? A mortgage. I mean, you're not typically buying uh, vehicles by cash. You're buying them on five-year loan. Does it make sense? And so what we have to do, we have to set back, and every now and then you've got to set back and push yourself back from the world, from the culture, and you have to ask yourself a question. What does God want from me? Do I want to be bound? I've seen people that cannot minister because they're in such debt. I've seen people get in such debt that they, their ministry cannot grow. They don't have time for ministry because they have to work overtime to pay for things that they couldn't afford to begin with. Why? Because they were in competition with their brother, literally. They had to have what their brother had. They had if the brother got a new car, they had to have a new car. If the brother got an upgrade, they haven't had an upgrade. We don't need that. And so there's this term called conspicuous consumption. You ever heard of conspicuous consumption? What is that? That's buying things to impress people you don't even like. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the old term would be keeping up with the... Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. And you have shoestring millionaires. And so I have known of people to buy outfits to go to a meeting and then return the outfit because they couldn't afford to buy it. That's just wrong. And if you have to dress in a certain status to fit in, you're in the wrong circle. Come as you are. Amen. Everybody say, be in debt to no man. And so you have to have an inflow of income. And what do you do if you have expenses that come out? And you know, the number one cause of bankruptcy is what? Medical. Medical. And so, but they, they can't force you. You can work out a payment plan and just keep that payment, pay, pay that payment plan. Don't feel pressured. I mean, you have to pay your bills, and sometimes they work out a happy medium with you. But you try to find a way to get that. 
And if you're young enough, if you're young enough, I'm talk to some young people, sometimes they make unwise decisions. When you get out of, I remember when I graduated from high school, you know what came with the mail? Credit cards. Since you turned 18, that and a razor. <laughs> yeah, that and a razor. That's what, smart, right? To get the guy started. Uh, and they just sent it to me when I was 15. A razor. <laughs> but they send you a credit card. I've known people that would be uh, 21 years old and have $100,000 in debt and nothing, nothing to show for it. And they get off on the wrong foot. And I've seen this become generational because they learn to live in, in the rear, in the back, in paying back. I've also seen as angels, let me just say this, is that what happens is because of tradition, no biblical teaching, and I'm trying to push us back from that, is that you learn to work your own system among your own family. Till what happens is you begin to borrow from your family, then they're borrowing from this family member to give to this family member, and they have this system that works among each other. And it's always a constant state of drama. <coughs> Did you know if you loan money to your family member and they don't pay it Thanksgiving dinner, the turkey's not going to taste as good as it did the last year? <laughs> and uh, there doesn't have to be any hand raising here, but let me just give you uh, something to think about here. Is you don't want to loan the family members. Right? Don't do it. I'm talking about excellence of finance. You want to save a relationship. Uh, and one, one time my wife was trying to help a, a, a family a family out one time. And, and they, there, was, there was a need. And she stepped out, you know, wanted to give a, a they, they needed some money. And, and I said, honey, and I, I was telling my wife, I said, guess what? I said, just give it to them. Because if they can't pay that, they're not going to come back to church. Because now they don't want to see us because they owe us. And you become servant to lender. Isn't that what it says? Whether, whether you force that up on them or not, but that's how they feel. And so, honestly, when you are lending money, you have to make a decision in family. And you're taking notes here. You want to write this down. You, you don't want to lend money to family or friends, most of it. it. It's better to gift them with it than to make them than alone it. That's just general. There might be an exception to the rule, but almost always what happens there is drama, hard feelings, and I've watched it. I've watched tension come in families over the years, and uh, it's just it's not good. And so um, let's go back to Proverbs here. Everybody say excellent with finance. Uh, it goes on and says in, in Proverbs chapter 6, if you want to turn there, uh, in Proverbs 6, it says, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, it's talking about signing off, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. And it says, go on and hum yourself and get out of that. What it's saying is, don't be surety for somebody else's loan. That's what it's saying. I had somebody today to contact me, and they are wanting to make this large purchase. They have a great vision, great, but they needed somebody to be surety for the loan. There's a good part of me once said, yes, I'll back you up. But the Bible says not to do that. Because if they can't pay, you are. It's called cosigning. 
And there might be a moment for that, but in most cases, if they can't afford it, they don't need to buy it. And that's Bible. How many know that's Bible? And so you can feel pressured to co-sign for somebody because they can't. It would be best to say don't buy it if you can't afford it. Does it make sense? And so they, he and I, we were talking on the phone, and he's, and at the, end of, at the end of the conversation, I told him, I said, well, I just want to feel to tell you. Just tell him this is all I've got. He said, well, you know, I was driving down the road today, and that's sort of how the Lord dealt with me. That's all I got. Everybody said, that's all I have. That's all I have. And so there's, there's the sleep factor, and I think probably you got to write that down. Sleep's worth a whole lot of, whole lot of not purchases. Not purchasing. <laughs> and so what you'll find is, is there's nothing worse than laying in bed at night and thinking, how am I going to pay for this? Debt-free is a great thing. And uh, debt-free is a great thing. And so, again, the Bible goes on to talk about don't, don't be a co-signer for a stranger. Don't get into that. Don't let people pressure you into that. And there's one thing to help somebody, but there's another thing that when they don't, they don't pay their bills and you're not trying to pay yours and theirs, maybe you've been there a few times. A lot of people have been there. I've had to counsel people through that. That's not, the Bible says not to do that. It's not, not to do that. Everybody say excellent with finances. All right, let's talk about let's talk about budgeting. And so, uh, if your expenses you cannot change, then you have to increase what? How do you do that? Second job. So you're working forty hours a week in one place, and you decide I'm going to go deliver pizzas. I got to do something. And why? Because you have to have income greater than expenses at all times. And so it's best though is that when you're making decisions, because we're a product, we're a product not just of our behavior, we're a product of our choices, is that you have to make and say, can I afford this? I remember before the recession, one of the problems was is that banks and car lots, they were getting caught because they were falsifying uh, appraisals and they would look at your finances and tell you you could do what you could not do to make what? To make a sale. And people are following that. I want to stop here and say you need to know where you are financially. <coughs> not guessing. So let's talk about income versus outcome here for just a moment. So when I'm doing budgeting and marriage counseling, and that's typically where I do budgeting with people, and so I ask them to write down their monthly income. And uh, what I see people do, if you look in there, um, where is it at here? Monthly take home pay. You see that? Here's what people do. Because how much we make makes us feel real good. How do we know that? So there's a few months that you get a five-week work pay. Did you know that? There's a few months. And so young couples, they want to write that one down because, you know, it's sort of flattering to make more money. And, uh, and so what they want to do is they want to write down the month that has the highest monthly income. Because it feels good. Well, I'm here to not make you feel good. I'm here to get you back to reality. You want to write down your monthly income as the lowest, what it would be on the lowest month. Everybody say the lowest month. Yes. So when you're writing in a budget, your take-home pay, 
you want to mark down what is the lowest income month of the year. It's different. When I first started on marriage counseling 15, 16 years ago, I mean, hardly anybody had a plan. Now it's different. They're through the teaching of the Word of God, constant preaching, education. Now couples are coming in. I'm not telling them where to find the sheet. They're, they're coming in with their sheet already filled. It's different than it was 15 years ago. And we say amen. Thank God for that. Amen. And so financial peace that we teach here uh, and the preaching that we've done have been very intentional about. We, we're seeing a lot of strong, young families that are ahead of the game. The number one subject that they wanted in life groups in this church, you know what it was? Finance. Number two, what was it? Holiness. People wanted to learn about finance. Number two, they wanted to learn about holiness. And that's why you've seen us teach that and have that. Okay. And so income is, is you're going to write, what is our lowest uh, monthly income coming in? So we're going to build a budget off the lowest. Then you've got expenses. The Bible says, seek ye what? First. So on there, you have charity. And so everything you do, if you're building a budget, you want to make sure you're working that first in your life because it's very biblical. God first, the kingdom first. Everybody say, seek ye first. Seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. But Candace, the Bible says, but the Gentiles, and that's who we all are, the Gentiles seek first raiment, food, and water. That's the nature of a Gentile. It's to make sure I have enough before I give. That's Cain concept, and that's ingrained in us as Gentile people. How many know the kingdom is different? We've got to do what? We go back and say, I'm going to put God before my needs, and he's going to provide what? And that we operate out of faith and not by sight. So you practice this. So when you are doing this, you're going to take, you're going to take uh, uh, this, which is maybe the lowest, but maybe an average you're looking in, the lowest here. You're going to say, all right. Then my tithes is going to be what? It's going to be 10% of my, 10% of gross. That's my tithe. Then you might have offering in there. Then you might have something where, you know, you give to uh, missions of some sort. Uh, and, and you're going to have, listen, maybe you give to Tupelo. Hope everybody gives, can give to certain things. Biblical categories. I'm not going to stay on there tonight. But you can add that up and say, this is what we're going to give, what, on a monthly basis. Savings, you got that at the top because that should be a priority. Uh, an emergency fund, a retirement fund, and a college fund. And it's given a recommendation, 10 to 50%. I'm not going to hang out there. But housing, uh, you got to have a place to stay. So what is your mortgage or rent? Uh, you got on their option for second mortgage, real estate taxes, and things like that. Uh, house repairs, uh, association dues. It's very detailed. This is what you call a zero balance budget. Zero balance. What that means is there's no miscellaneous at the end. How many of you have ever done a budget and you had a whole category of miscellaneous? Anybody? Two of us. I'm talking about miscellaneous. You just have no clue where the money's going. That's what that means. Yeah. And uh, miscellaneous is you don't know where it's going. That, that you have these categories with all this money. I'm going to show you where part of that miscellaneous is going. Walmart. Amen. 
Amazon and convenience stations. Right? Gas stations. Yeah, it's called it's called a $2.99 Gatorade. You can get six pack for it at Walmart. But it's easy. I mean, it's where we spend our money. Let's just be honest. It's convenient. No plan, no intention, don't know where the money is. If you will follow this, it's like somebody asked a preacher one time. They said, is it a sin to have money? He said, no, but it's a sin for money to have you. It's not talking about wealth. But sometimes we are ruled by our appetites. And that money is ruling us. Instead of we should be in control of ourselves and in control of our money. And so expenses, uh, you get down to uh, mortgage, uh, rent, whatever that might be. Then you get into utilities, electricity, gas, water, trash, uh, phones, my lands, phones today. Uh, I, I worked with one guy one time. He was paying $500 a month in phones and cable bill. $500 a month in phones and cable bill. And uh, was having a tough time trying to figure out how he was going to get through life. I said, I'll tell you how. Turn the TV off. The TV off. And get you a cheap cell phone. You don't have to have. Uh, you, you look on, um, on food. Let's look at food. Groceries. Groceries. Here's what I recommend. Keep every receipt. Start. Keep every receipt. Uh, you have some credit cards if you use credit cards, but keep every receipt at restaurants and look how much money you spend in restaurants. If your money is going somewhere, more likely you're eating it away. And so track your receipts. Uh, clothing, uh, transportation. Uh, I mean, we've got... Pretty cheap gas prices right now. Yeah. I bought gas for $1.82 yesterday. That's, thank you, Jesus. Um, transportation. One thing I noticed and when people are doing budgeting is that they know what the, how, about how much they're going to spend in gas in their vehicle, but they don't have any budget for repair of their vehicle or tires. So you have to think, 50,000 miles, I'm going to have to probably repair brakes, I'm going to have to repair my tires. I'm going to have to put new tires on. And you start a monthly setback, and you put it in the bank, and you keep that. Um, medical health, and that can be all over the map. I'm not going to stay there. Uh, insurance, you have to have it. And if you're married, at least men, you need, you need to have uh, uh, some level of life insurance. Uh, you do. Uh, you know, I mean, a guy in his 20s, uh, a guy in his 30s can get... Quite a bit, fairly cheap. I haven't studied it a lot beyond 40 plus years, but I did that when I first met. We got life insurance, uh, health insurance, uh, um, rental insurance, homeowner insurance, all those things you can write on there. Uh, personal, you look down there, you, you can categorize all those things. And so uh, you get down to the last one uh, debts. And so you've got car payments. You've got credit card. They got one through five on here. You don't need, you, don't, you need one. And uh, if you've got five, you don't need any. I'm going to tell you, I've dealt with a lot of people. Student loans, student loans are an epidemic right now. People are graduating college and they have a job. They're getting jobs they can't afford to pay that. Uh, and I'm going to tell all the parents here, 
is that parents, you need to sit down and talk to your kid and ask them, why are they going to college? You're looking at a day where there's a ton of graduates with, and it's a good economy, but, but the student debt rate to income rate is not well. Why are they going to college? Why not get a, some type of certification? Not everybody's going to be a college person. My brother-in-law travels the world and he speaks on the subject. He is uh, the a vice president of a college. And he travels all over the country recruiting people to college. But he said, he said, college isn't for everybody. And when you got a, got a person that's paying 10, 15,000 a year and they don't even finish, they're stuck with that debt. Does it make sense? And so I'm, I'm not going to stay long here, but this is a conversation that needs to be had is uh, why are you doing college degree? Because it was a fad back in the day. Uh, and maybe it worked a period of time, but maybe there's another option. Uh, and how do you pay that off? And so uh, student loans, look at there, four categories of student loans. Yes. Four categories, loan after loan after loan. And I've seen that. They come in one, two, and three different student loans. And so people are getting off on the wrong foot. We have to think biblical. I want you to take your hands and push, push back. Push yourself from culture and tradition. You say, all right, let me take a breath, and let me do this God's way. Let's do it God's way. Everybody say God's way. God's way, God's way is always the right way. Amen. And the Bible says to be in what? Debt to no man. So how can I stay out of debt? How can I stay out of debt? That's the thing. That's the key, is how can I stay out of debt? How can I have more coming in than going out? My goal is not to be how much can I own in debt, but how much can I have debt-free? Everybody say debt-free. Debt-free. Let's talk about uh, becoming debt. I want you to lift your hands right now before we talk about removing debt. I want us to lift our hands right now. And I want you to ask God to give you wisdom. Lord, I'm praying that I won't fall as a, as a slave to the lender. That I won't become in bondage to the culture. Help me, God, to not be in debt. Help me, God, to learn how to stay out of debt. To not buy things that I, I do not need. To not be a spender, oh God, but become a saver. Lord, help me to think about future instead of right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All of us have a double nature in us, and it's Esau and Jacob. Esau wanted the soup, wanted to sell, give every whole future for a desire for now. Jacob wanted to plan for the future and to give up stuff right now. And so the person that's going to be successful is not the person that's all about the now, but it's about the later. Dave Ramsey makes the statement, and he says, and he says this. Don't live like everybody else, so you will not live like everybody else. What he's saying is, don't go in debt like everybody else. You might have a cheaper car, or a cheaper home, cheaper clothes, less than everybody does now. But when everybody else is broke, you're going to be the one having what everybody else wishes they had. Amen. So don't live like everybody else right now. And I say to all the young people, what well, took mom and dad 25 years to accumulate don't think you're going to get in the first two years of marriage. Right? 
And so quit trying to have what everybody else has. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about investment and saving. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. What does it say? Verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. What's it saying? It's saying don't put all of your investments in one basket. It said because if the basket falls, all your investment falls. I have known people that had all of their investment wrapped up in one type of hopeful plan and it failed and they lost everything. That's not biblical. It's not excellence of finance. What do you do? You, you spread your investment to what he said to seven or eight. For instance, if you're investing in the stock market and I had somebody come in and talk about finance or investing, two weeks they came and spoke. But what they would say is don't put it just in one stock. Don't put it in one type of stock. You want to spread it out and different. That way when this one's going down, and stock market's taking a great hit right now because of the coronavirus. But what you have to understand, you don't want to put it all in one thing and then it lose it and then you lose everything. Everybody say spread it out. And if you spread it out, when one is suffering, another one's going to be doing what? Yeah, and one is going down, there's going to be another one going up. So when you're thinking of investing, and here's what I've noticed, and I'm, 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 I'm no great financial advisor in, in detail. of an, I'm not, not an investor uh, guru here. But what I would say to you is almost every person I counsel, and I say, tell me what your uh, retirement plan is. They say, well, I have a 401K. I have a retirement through my work. I said, that's a retirement package. That's not a retirement plan. There's a difference between a retirement package, a retirement package, or retirement what? Plan. The difference is, that's where you're putting your money into a package, a, 401, uh, uh, a 401k or something of that nature, but you don't know the outcome of that. You just know that it's retirement. Um, almost everybody. I would say 95% of people that I counsel, they do not know how much they're going to have at retirement. They don't even know when they're going to retire. And, uh, and so what you want to do is you get advice. Uh, get advice and don't go somebody trying to take your money, but just get advice and say, what do I need to know? And you can find a lot of counsel. Also, where there's no counsel, what? People fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And what you'll find is you can get somebody to talk to you about, and you say, how much do, um, maybe, how much do I want to make a month or make a year in retirement? I feel like I'm boring you guys. You okay? How much do you want to, what's your annual income going to be? At age 67, that's retirement age. You can, you can retire earlier than that. But at what age are you going to retire and how much do you want to make? So what you do is you create a savings 
an investment opportunity from your own income that says, I'm going to save because when I'm 62 or I'm 67, I want to be able to live and have this much money coming in to my life. Because at some point, you're not going to feel like working like you do now. And uh, right, Sister Williams? Right. Right. <laughs> she can say that at 90, in her 90s. Um, don't have the energy set she used to. And so what I'm saying is, store up for winter. Almost every 50-plus-year-old would tell me, I wish I would have known, or I wish I'd have had. I had somebody one time, they said, they turned around, they said, if I would have just put a couple hundred bucks back, starting in my 20, a month, I would have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. They said, but I spent it on clothes and eating out. Almost everyone has the ability to invest in retirement. Almost everyone. But what happens is we create lifestyles that have expectancy of what we want now, saying that one of these days I'm going to fix it, and months turn into years and years turn into decades, and then they've listed up. They, they missed years of what's called compound interest. I recommend, uh, and why are we talking about this? And uh, the average age of the room is a little older, and there are some younger in here that are in their 20s. But I recommend you have conversations with your kids or grandkids about starting to invest at age 20 instead of age 30. Can I get a witness from somebody? Yeah. And instead of, instead of ladies, young ladies, buying uh, the $150 outfit, put $150 into uh, some Roth IRA and start adding to that because what's going to be so small here at age 20, how many of you ever have ever run a retirement calculator? How many of you ever seen it? It's online. They're free. What you can do is you're a certain age and you say, I, I don't have a screen to do this. Then you put your age in, and you put, uh, if I had $10,000 invest, or if I started at age 20 and I invest $200 a month with zero initial investment, how much am I going to have in retirement at age 67? And, uh, and what happens, it looks like it's nothing. You think, know, that's only $200. I can't tell how many people I've had to pull, pull their 401k out because the financial got tight. Don't do that. Don't ever encourage that. Because what seems like only $14,000 here, if you add 20 more years of that, what seems is so slow here, all of a sudden, this is, this is years, all of a sudden it goes like this. And this is the amount of money here. This, this is the value of the investment. And what you want to do is you want to put it in, become disciplined, make a vow, and say, I will never touch it. This is excellent. What are you doing? How is that biblical? But I, you know, I've had people that not invest because Jesus is coming. People used to teach that. Don't invest because the Lord's coming. Don't do that. Because those people that taught that aren't even alive right now. He didn't come in their lifetime. And I've known preachers that suffered because of lack of teaching, lack of wisdom, had to preach funerals and weddings in their retirement just to pay their bills. That's not the will of God. The Bible says to store up for what? Winter. Everybody say store up for winter. We have to change the conversation is what I'm saying. And so you want to think ahead how much. And so what I do now 
is when I meet a couple, they're going to get married, because that's typically when I do that. Uh, sometimes in marriage counseling, somebody comes back to me and says, Pastor, we need to change some things and whatever, and I'll give them advice. But I tell them, within six months of marriage, we're going to have a, a, a meeting again, and you are to have met with a financial advisor to plan for a retirement what? Plan. Everybody say there's a difference between a retirement package and a retirement plan. Amen. Are there any questions right now? Anything? How many have a hard time budgeting? It's hard. And why would you say it's hard budgeting? Anybody? The hardest thing I found was getting started. Yes. Um, you know, you have to have what feels like extra money to get started budgeting. Yeah. Yes. And, but man, I mean, I'm just saying for us, when you get debt free, it's like no other feeling. Debt free. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just like no other feeling that you can even think of. Yeah. You said I think I think you hit the point. You just have to start. And I've given you something to start with. You can go home and write that down. That that you can't know where point B is until you find where point A is. Where am I financially? And I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in the office. I say, all right, let's let's talk about where you are. And uh, it's amazing when they come in. And then they start exposing secret debt that they never tell their fiance. <laughs> well, that's my job. <laughs> Gets really excited in the room when there's fifty thousand extra dollars they got, you know. And uh, and I, I dig it out of them because it's not fair to get married and find out they got seventy-five thousand dollars in credit card debt. And, and then uh, while they had dreams and aspirations, the fun is going to be a huge fight, you know, when all these bills come in. And so in financial excellence. You got to know where you are. So, what am I making, uh, and what what are my bills? What are the bills, and what are these extra things coming in? And I had one guy I dealt with. He said, "I, I don't even want to look at it." I said, "You better look at it because you're gonna be homeless." And let's look at it. And I was dead serious. And I get him down, and and uh, he was not. He didn't want to. He didn't want to face it. And maybe how many of you ever been there? You didn't want to know. Didn't want to know, yeah. And you thought, oh my God, I, I don't want to deal with that right now. It has to be, it's going to deal with you. It's going to be money having you instead of you having money. And so it's going to deal with you. So what do you do? You override. And watch, to deal with money is to deal with emotion. Amen. It's like dealing with food. Now, I ain't never been more nervous than talking about food in this church as a preacher. But it went okay. Nobody crucified me. Uh, but when you're dealing with money or food, it's always emotional. People are emotionally attached to their spending because our spending is where the heart is. Your treasure is where your heart is. That's Bible. And don't let your treasure here for moths and rust and thieves to corrupt the thieves that break those steel. Well, lay your treasures up. That's what it says, right? But the principle is... Where you spend your money is where your heart is. Take your budget, I'll show you where your passions are. How many know it's true? How do you find an A? How do you find A? I've had people come in and say, I don't know. Well, what's your medical bills? Well, I don't know. Well, how much do you owe to the credit card? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. 
I said, I can't help it. I don't know. You've got to go find it. And I'll sit down with people, and they come in and say, all right, next week, this one, here's your homework. Go find what? Go find You Call the hospital. They come back, and they, well, it wasn't bad as I thought it was. It's only, only $175. Here, I've been fretting all that time. I only owed $75. You know, I'm telling you, somebody not too long ago, they owed $75, bucks, I think it was. And uh, they were fretting to get a hold of the hospital because they thought they had this big $75. Oh, it was. Go find out. What is the college debt? What is this? And so what they teach is when you find, when you find, you can find your income. But can you find your expense? And once you find your expense, you say, what they find expense, then it's debt. What you'll find is, is you got credit card and this 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 debt out there. You got a car debt, you got a house debt, you got all these debts. How do you pay off? Debt. That's your goal, and that's biblical. I will say to you, it is never the will of God to miss a payment on any debt. Never. Don't buy something you cannot pay. Don't get anything on the credit card that you can't pay it at the end of the month. I mean, no, it's true. If you have a credit card, it's not the will of God to buy something that you have. It's not the will of God to buy Christmas on credit. I see people paying for Christmas the next Christmas from the last year because they had a big heart. Big heart, sometimes unwise heart. And that's not the will of God. So what you do is when you have debt, everybody say snowball. Snowball. Who's ever heard of snowballing debt? Anybody? How many have not heard of snowballing debt? Yeah. If you have not heard of snowballing debt, I want you to raise your hand. Yeah, several. Several. I'm going to teach what it is. What you do is if you have a car debt, you got a credit card debt, You've got a, a house mortgage. Uh, mortgage. Maybe you have uh, maybe you have two credit card debts. Um, and maybe you bought a big screen TV from Aaron's Rental Center because it's silly and that you shouldn't have done it, but you did it. And uh, you regret it. And uh, Aaron's Rental Center bill. You bought a TV for $3,000 that was worth $700. I'm telling you, that's what it works. But you had to have it now. I mean, that's why people, and it makes no sense. And think of this. It makes no sense. It makes no sense when you're sending $200 a month to pay a credit card at 27% interest. So you got 27% interest on the money that you borrow from them to have it. 27%. You understand? Think of this. 27% to buy the couch, to buy the TV. Boy, I'm getting righteous indignation against culture right now. They get you. 27% to have something you really didn't need when that 200 a month could be making in a retirement. 10 to 12%. Saw the guy the other day. He's making 26% on his retirement. 26% on his retirement. I mean, and that's what happens is, if you follow culture, everybody take your hand, push back, not culture. I'm going to become financially blessed, not financially broke. So I have to push back from culture and say, you know what? I'm not going to give my money to a, to a lender. I'm going to give my money to an investor. I'm going to make money instead of lose money. 
And so, have you ever looked down that? It's required by law now. Have you ever looked how long it takes to pay off a credit card? 20 years. If you pay the minimum payment, minimum payment, depends. Some of them are 18 to 25 years. I mean, you're going to be paying, well, you know, you feel, well, I'll pay my payment. You're going to be paying that bill for 20 years. You're, you're going you're gonna to own 10 of the things that you bought. 15 of the things that you bought because you wanted to win. How many know it's not the will of God? I, I, I'm not, I don't want you to take this out of context too much, but the Bible says that God hated Esau. Why? He sold his future for now. It's not the will of God. I think God hates it. There's moments of emergencies we have to do things. But our lifestyle should not be based upon spending 27%. It should be we pay cash for what we need now. True? All right. I'm meddling now, but it was good meddling. Let's get back to snowball. What you do is if the car payment is 300, if the credit card, if the credit card bill is 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 175 a month, this one is 30 dollars a month. You got a house mortgage that's maybe uh, 550. Uh, you got errands that's I don't even know what's right on there. But you, you, Aaron's. I didn't put that other name up there. That's... Is there another one? That, is there another one that does that? Rental. Yeah, rent, rent to own. Well, my name on that. Uh, you know, you, you're paying a hundred. Just pay a hundred. Snowballing says so. You're required. That's what you're required to do. You're you're required to do this, and you start adding that up. Man, that's a big that's a big deal. And so Snowball would say, "All right, let's take let's let's take uh, and take all the extra money you have, and pay minimum payments on everything, and throw your money at the thirty dollar a month or whatever the debt would be the smallest. There might not just be thirty, but more than likely that is going to be a, a minimal amount. Maybe you owe seven hundred dollars. Let's let's go over that. Let's go hundred. Uh, let's go two hundred dollars on that." Uh, this one might be you know a thousand, car, five thousand, a house, uh, a house is uh, let's say five fifty, maybe sixty five thousand dollar loan. Uh, uh, rent rent to own, you pay three thousand dollars for ignorant t television. Are you are y'all with me? <laughs> what are we gonna do? We're gonna pay the one off that's the least. So you get an extra job if your expenses are more going out than coming in. You gotta go deliver pizza or something. You gotta do something. You have to create income. Just don't go file bankruptcy. You gotta create income. You're gonna have to push things aside because it's priority. If you sign the dotted line that I'm gonna pay it, it is it is the will of God now. What wasn't the will of God becomes the will of God. It's like getting married. Might not have been the will of God, but when you said I do, it's the will of God. It's quiet. It just became the will of God. And so that's why wisdom matters. Counsel matters. So you want to start removing the lowest debt first. Then the money you were throwing at that one and what you were paying the 30, where are we going to throw it at now? We're going to throw it at, uh, I think I had a thousand here. We're going to throw it at this credit card. We're going to pay that one off. I sat down in one meeting with a guy and had him to be able to be debt free in five months. Made good money, had no wisdom. But in one meeting, sat down at the snowball, 
And he realized that if he paid one off, he got a bonus from the credit card of 150 and was able to pay another one off. And so all it took was just having somebody that cared to sit down and find out where A was. It's not the will of God to be in debt. It's will of God to be what? Givers. Everybody say snowball. Snowball. Then you take the money that you were throwing at this one, you were throwing at that one, then what are we going to do? We're, we're going to throw it, we're going to throw it at that one. Then your money, you're not going to buy anything else because your goal is to be debt-free, you're disciplined. You're taking all those monies, and what happens is the money you have to throw at debt becomes larger and larger. Till the next thing you know, the only thing you owe is a home. And you start paying that off. Does that make sense? Debt-free is very attainable. But you will not be debt-free if you don't start, like Sister Annie said a moment ago. The hardest thing to do is to sit down and find out where we are. But it is the will of God. It's not only find out where you are, but where you want to be. Everything in the kingdom is about future. Do you believe that? Yes. I hit the clock, I see. But everything in the kingdom is about future. Do you believe God has a future for you? Sure. Yes. Let me give you hope about bad decisions and debt. Had a buddy. He told me, he said, Aaron, he said, I made a bad decision. He said, I bought a car I could not afford. afford. My wife and I were young. It was dumb. We bought this car we could not afford to pay. He said, I got down and repented. I said, Lord, you see me down here trying to pay for this car that you probably didn't want me to have, but I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? He said, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, the next, this is either the next day or the next week, he went on a curve and totaled his car when he hit a cow. <laughs> True story. He hit a cow and totaled his car and was able to get out of that debt. He said, I told God, if you get me out of this debt, I'll never do this again. Amen. Let's stand. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.